So what I think is if we are and embrace creativity as a people, as a society, we will uplift the standard of living around the world far more dramatically than what we have done now. And the result is just a way better life. I, I mean, I'm being a little selfish, to be honest with you. I mean, I want better things, right? I want a better designed microphone and, you know, a better computer, you know, uh, experience on this chat thing and so on and so forth. And, and those types of things are entirely within the possibility of humanity, but we're not going to get there unless we get creative. You are listening to the Real Leaders Podcast, where leaders keep it real. I'm your host, Kevin Edwards, and that viewpoint comes from Nir Bashan, the author of The Creator Mindset, who believes more people need to unleash their creativity. In today's episode, Bashan shares the opportunities that come from a positive mindset, how to activate dormant portions of your brain, and ways to see the world as it can be, not as it is. So without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, please give it up for the real Nir Bashan. Enjoy. Yeah, let's go. Let's just continue the conversation. Have a nice time. Hey, can people ask questions on here? Yeah, people can ask questions. Uh, okay. So can ask questions. And, uh, people tune in to this live right now. Uh, ask questions after the show. We're going to have Nier on for probably another five, ten minutes after the show. If you're interested in the creator mindset you know, at all, please, by all means, type in your questions in the chat box in the right, and I'll see it and ask Nier after the show. Now, Nier... You're just telling me you're, you're a Trojan, man. What's going on with that? Come on. Fight on. Fight on. So I, I yeah, I went there for undergrad. Uh, I'm, I'm a music, uh, a music, uh, program guy. So I did undergrad there in, in music. And then I went to grad school at art center in Pasadena. Hmm. I've got a good friend out there in Pasadena. It's a great city. Yeah. It's a nice place. You know, it's, uh, uh, all of uh, California right now is like on total lockdown, right? So you 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 got to imagine like, you know what what it's like. I, I mean, I don't know. I'm in Florida, and so Florida, you know, pretty much been been open, and you know, restaurants are open, and and I mean, people are doing a good job with social distancing and wearing a mask and that sort of thing. But yeah, the state's really open. I, I just have no idea what it would be like to be in California or Pasadena or something like that right now. Well, let me tell you, because that's where I live. Um, <laughs> it's, it's very sunny outside and I'm staying inside and it's messing with my mind near. I'd love to go take a little trip down the down the Florida. But, you know, near this seems to be like the topic everyone's talking about right now. It's like I had a call with someone in Switzerland yesterday, like, oh, you're in California. Like, oh, like, what's that like? And I was like, yeah, yeah. it's fine. It's, you know, everyone's going through a hard time. But, you know, what, what's it like in, in Florida right now? And, and you know, as a creator, uh, you know, did, did we miss something here? Was there a creative answer for this whole thing? I mean, you know, it's, it's, it's really interesting. I think that, um, I think that, you know, thinking outside the box is really the type of thinking that you need right now to do well. Mm. Um, and I know that, that most of your audience is entrepreneurs and people in, in business in the business community. Um, and I, I just see so many opportunities around me right now that 
I've never seen before. And, you know, you get some people that are totally into it, right? They're like, yeah, there's opportunities. Let's go out there and do it. Um, but the vast majority of people that I see, my clients, some some of them uh, are kind of down in the dumps about it, right? They're like, oh, this sucks. You know, in the beginning of 2020, you know, we were projected to do this in this quarter. We were projected to move this many units. And now the thing hit and this sucks, you know, and, you know, my my reaction to that is you got to you, you really have to be creative, especially in time of crisis in order to generate a solution, right? And and to generate a path forward because it's really easy to fall into pessimism, you know? And it's really hard to embrace positivity as a solution. So yeah, listen, I, I see opportunities out there mainly. So, uh, you know, as a creator mindset, what advice then would you give, you know, the people making the laws you know, people are frustrated right now. You know, the, at, some, at some point, you have to have some type of compromise uh, for some people. And it's very difficult to have an answer that's going to please everybody. There never is one, right? So when you're making decisions and you're in that position, how can you think differently and outside the box to come up with a solution that might not be, you know, in, in the doctrine, with the one that you studied, but when you get into the position in the first place? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. So I talk a lot about the world's first creative human being, right? Um, go with me here, right? It was a dark right. and stormy night, right? 40, 50, 60,000 years ago, right? And there was a beast attacking, you know, humans lived to like 20, 22, you were like a grandma or grandpa, right? And, you know, people didn't live long. Um, there was beasts all over Earth that were far more powerful than we were. And so, you know, there was a certain, you know, animal attacking a woman named Harriet, our first early woman. And she, you know, she was being attacked by this beast and it was raining and it was freezing. You know, she's in her cave and she had, you know, like three things, three things to her name in her cave. Right. She had a stick and a little berry picker and the stick was nothing ever other than, you know, a walking stick or whatever. And then the berry picker with nothing ever. But, you know, something to kind of pick berries off of off of bushes or whatnot. And so she had the world's first creative idea. She decided to take the berry picker and put it on the end of the stick and, you know, stave off the beast. And she literally saved her life. And creativity for me, since Harriet, is part of our DNA. You know what I mean? It's just part of who we are as human beings. It is as innate to us as breathing air and survival. And so when you say, hey, you know, Nir, how how do we, you know, take a leap on some of these creative ideas, uh, especially with what's going on today in the world? So the answer really is that because it is part of who we are, we need to start to realize that thinking with the other part of our mind, not the analytical, which is what all schools teach us and society and all this stuff, but literally tapping into creativity in order to solve problems connects us to who we are. And 
it connects us to what we're doing in our product or service or even in our careers. I don't believe in coincidence, right? I don't think that you're doing this because, oh, you just kind of fell into it. I felt like you went to school at not ASU, at the other one, at the better one. The better one. And yeah. <laughs> and, you know, you, you graduated and now you're doing this. You got the podcast stuff. You got, you know, one of the most popular shows from my understanding, um, you know, in the rankings. And so there's a very, very good reason that you're doing what you're doing. And I believe that you are a little bit more in touch with that creative identity of who you are. And so when you're in touch with the creative identity of who you are, that thing that Harriet gave us 50, 60,000 years ago, making decisions based on that becomes really easy because it's in line with your brand. It's in line with your product or service, and it's in line with your market differentiation. It's literally who you are. So it doesn't become a moment of like overwhelming, you know, bravery or whatever. Oh man, I, you know, we're going to change the directions in my business. It's not about that. It's about rediscovering who you are and what you're doing and then emanating that out to the customer. You know, Nir, I, th- I think you did a really good job of illustrating to people that just because your analytical side and, and you're an adult now and you may have lost your creative mindset, you can still get that back. And there's a way to do that, whether it's flipping a page and looking at it differently, whether it's drawing a flower within the margins of the page, drawing the flower, you know, uh, when you're having the conversation and just are a constant reminder to think outside the box. So for people listening to this that have not had the opportunity to read the book, how can they place themselves back in the mindset of a creator? Definitely. So as children, we were all born creative and somewhere along the way we lost it, right? Um, We went to business school, heaven forbid, and, you know, we just got beat in the analytics, right? How to look at a spreadsheet, spreadsheet logic, what are the numbers and stuff like that? Um, and so it, it's it's prevalent. It's prevalent in business today. It's a, it's a little bit, you know, a little bit too much. I actually do keynotes and workshops and stuff like that with um, finance people uh, quite a bit because I think they understand <laughs> that the numbers don't tell you everything. And and really, the numbers at best are a snapshot of the past, right? They're not. They're not the future. It's not what's happening or what's going to happen. It's what happened already. And at best, it gives you some kind of roadmap that you're operating by. You know, that's at best something that happened some time ago. So there's got to be a different way. There's got to be a new way. One of the things that I recommend that people do to improve their creativity is to understand that we were all born creative and that you need to sort of Keep that creativity going by listening is a, is a really good thing. It's something I talk about in the book. We don't listen enough. I mean, it's weird. We're on a podcast, right? And I'm talking a lot. But generally, I'm not the talker in the room. I generally sit and listen. And when you listen to people, you learn a bunch of stuff, right? One, you learn what they're saying. Two, you learn how they're saying it. And three, you learn a significant amount of subtext into what that person is saying. Yet we're so busy trying to, you know, talk and get our opinion heard and our voice or whatever that we lose a critical element of empathy, which is another creative tool, 
to be able to listen and and really hear and understand how and why that particular person got to where they're going. Listen, you you and I are both on endless Zoom meetings and go to and all that stuff all day. And, you know, those meetings are usually filled with, you know, people talking over each other and like, oh, you know, I have this great thing to say, you, you know, that kind of thing. And um, one thing your listeners can do now is, you know, you're you're listening to this and then you're off to 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 do more work um, is to start to listen. Do that in your very next meeting, right? Your very next meeting. Sit there, introduce, hi, put yourself on mute for a while and really listen and, and try to hear uh, some of those subtextual elements that are going on. They will spark creativity no matter what. Nir, I think you had a lot of examples in this book about instances that where people thought out of the box that ended up being the reason of their survival such as Apple, the company, um, with, with Steve Jobs and, and Bill Gates. Steve Jobs doing the one thing that no one thought he would do, reaching out to Bill Gates and asking him to you know, invest in Apple. And, and you also said in the book, you know, Bill Gates having that creative mindset of, oh, I need competition. This is going to be a good investment. You know, how can people think like that? How can they master a mindset of creativity versus the analytical? So it really starts with doing a fair amount of listening. The other thing I I recommend in order to get uh, that outside the box thinking, right, where you're or you're coming up with solutions that aren't there before is the power of positivity. We talked, we touched upon it a little bit earlier, but when you look at things in a positive way, in a creative way, uh, the, the world is really a limitless environment for you to practice your product or service. When you look at things in a negative way, you've limited your option. It sounds so simple. And in, you know, in the book I talk about, it's got 92 tools on how to be more creative and every single one of them is free. Every single one of them. It doesn't cost a penny, right? It's not like go buy this piece of equipment or whatever. It's shifting your mindset. So if you shift your mindset from normal, at least normal for me, which is looking at a situation going, oh, crap, you know, what do we do? Instead of that, stop doing that, time out, and then catch yourself going to negative, and then instead embrace the positive. So, oh, this happened. Now, what can we do to solve it in a positive way? The English language, I, I think I just, I wrote it for you guys, for real leaders about how, you know, English is filled with more negative words and positive words. It's crazy, right? So for every like good or great, there's like 10 bad words, you know, um, bad, horrible, terrible, you know, all of these, you know, words, almost 10 times as many to describe something negatively than to describe something positively. And I did a little bit more research and I found that that exists in every language on earth, all 127 languages on earth have better ways to describe negativity and the doldrums and horrible parts of life than it does to describe the good things. And you as a business leader, you as a, a career person trying to get to the next level, you as a small business owner or mid cap or whatever, um, need to understand that 
framing the problem in the light of positivity will instantly give you creative solutions instantly hmm. because it taps into that creator mindset that all of us have deep within us that, you know, we got from Harriet back in the day. And it allows you to look at a problem as what it is rather than adding all the crap, the self doubt, the, you know, oh man, I should have never hired that guy. And all of that stuff that comes with it, none of it helps. The only thing that allows you to solve problems creatively is to think about a problem positively. Um, What's his name? Uh, not uh, Steve Jobs did that exactly in this case, right? So for those unfamiliar uh, with it, we talk about it in the book, but basically Apple was in deep, deep poop and needed money. Uh, they were in the middle of a big lawsuit with Microsoft f- uh, for the operating system, you know, the way the trash can looks and the way the icons look on the desktop and all that stuff. Apple felt that Microsoft stole it. Okay, it was like a multi-year lawsuit and it was just draining the company of energy, draining the company of money. Again, negativity. It's just it it kills you. And so Steve Jobs had a thought that he was going to go talk to Bill Gates and just ask him for a loan. And and all the lawyers were like, that is the stupidest thing you could possibly do. Like, oh, why would you ever ever do something like that. And, you know, it's horrible and, and terrible. And they had 600 words to describe how bad it was. And what ended up happening was, you know, we don't really know because it's not, it wasn't a public meeting or whatever. We just know the results of it. But Bill Gates ended up bailing Apple out, giving them a loan to keep the company going. And both of them had a creativity basis for that decision because they both were realizing Steve, Steve Jobs wanted to keep the company going. And Bill Gates knew that having Apple around made him a better company. And that's, you know, that's a really, really incredible thing. And so when you think positively, you come up with ideas like that. You're like, you know what? He's going to go for it. I I think he'll go for it. Let's have a chat. Why not try, right? Those ideas would never come to you ever if you were thinking like the lawyers thinking, and I'm sorry for the lawyers listening, but if you were thinking in that sort of you know, way, you would never be able to get positivity. Positivity tells you, yes, you can. Yes, it's going to work. Yes, it's going to be great. Negativity tells you, don't even try. You're worthless. You sh- you don't even have a good idea. The company needs to, you know, fail. That's that's the difference in, in mentality. It was a powerful case study. And I, I did a little more digging into it. And I realized that you know, Jobs was a rebellion. He was a nonconformist. You know, when uh, Scully came in from Pepsi, Jobs started his own product team, uh, the Macintosh team, right? He, they had a pirate flag uh, in their room saying, you know, it's better to be a pirate than to be in the Navy. That's how much of a rebel Steve Jobs was. He was let go, started NEXT or Next. And then when he became interim CEO, he also, I don't know if you knew this, I don't think it was in the book, but he, an anonymous shareholder, sold $1.5 million of shares of Apple, 12, you know, dropped the stock 12%. And who was it? Steve Jobs. Uh, so, you know, thinking outside the box is interesting, but how do leaders listening to this embrace a culture of creators? 
You know, it, it really starts with that creative identity. It starts with understanding the DNA of why you're doing what you're doing. Um, I consulted a while ago with a, with a pizza, a very famous pizza brand here in the U.S. And, you know, I sat around and, and, and you know, for weeks and they had all of the top three, four consulting firms, right? You, you name them, they've had them. And they've looked at efficiency to the 0.0001% of, you know, how we can extract this much more value here or this much more value there. And, you know, Phil, I've, I, I came in because it was like, you know, uh, we, we'd like to, to think differently. How, how do we as leaders start to think differently? And that's kind of the, you know, that's how that started. So, you know, I was in there and, I have a, a technique that anybody can use on how to make ideas because they, you know, once they were done with efficiency, they want new products. Like, what do we do? We need something. What's next? Let's go. You know, that kind of thing. I was like, God, it's great. So I have a, a uh, uh, what I call the Trinity of creativity, which is the concept, the idea and the execution, right? The execution is the like nuts and bolts. It's where most of us spend most of our careers, right? On the exact product or service that we're doing. Then the idea is the larger way to view it. And then there's the concept, which is, you know, the biggest way to possibly view your product or service. And so I started working with them and I said, okay, guys, concept, idea, and execution. Execution, go. They were like, our number one seller is the double stuffed crust, meat lovers, cheesy bread, blah, 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 medium pizza. It's $9.99 and it's our bestseller. I said, okay, great. That's your execution. Great, great, great. What's your idea? They were like, pizza. I said, no, no, no. Okay, yeah, yeah. So that's your execution. But what? just give me a bigger idea. Not the satellite view in space. Just give me like a, like a higher level view. And they were like, it's pizza. <laughs> I was like, yeah, yeah, okay, cool. Let's let's start to work here, you know. And then we started talking, and somebody said, "Oh, you know, our founder came over 1918 or whatever with the secret sauce, and that sauce was like it gave everyone so much joy." And you know, and then somebody else said, "Comfort food. Our franchise, our brand is a comfort food brand." I'm like, great. Now we're getting in a higher level. What is the highest level of what we're doing here? They're like, well, comfort food. And, you know, you could tell, I, I don't know how to describe it, but you you just see the weight of self-doubt and the weight of having to get it right all the time, just being lifted off these shoulders because we were having fun, but we were really exploring the DNA of the brand. And then somebody in the room said, you know what? Um, so I've got a story. And I'm like, I love stories. Let's hear it. And they're like, well, we have plenty of people across America who would not eat if it wasn't for us. I'm like, come on. That's okay. You're, you're going a little far, right? I mean, you're like, no, no. We have standing orders at a lot of customers that at 645 every evening, we show up with a pizza. And near, if these guys didn't get pizza, we, they, you know, they'd go hungry. Mm. And I'm like, Wow, that's interesting. And and so we started to come up with this idea of sustenance as being their concept. Their, you know, sustenance as a concept, comfort food, and then, you know, the double crust meat lover medium for $9.99. Okay. And I was like, guys, all right, what do you need? Do you need a new product? Yes. Let's start to look at the idea. Before we go to the exec, uh, to the concept, let's just start to look at the idea. Comfort food. So we wrote comfort food down and we circled it. Writing stuff down is a key to becoming more creative. When you write stuff down, 
you execute a different portion of the mind that deals with um, looking at an idea on a page. And when you look at an idea or anything on a page, it becomes more real and less like, you know, esoteric or cerebral. So I encourage you to keep writing stuff down. They wrote down and we circled comfort food. And out of that, we started getting really excited. And, and this is not me telling the group what their comfort food was or what their concept idea or execution was. This is the DNA of the brand. This is the leadership of the brand telling me this is how we view our product or service. And basically, they came up with, you know, calzones or, or whatnot. And, and I was like, great, that's another very easy execution for you. And they did really well. It's funny because somebody also mentioned chicken soup. Right. I was like, you guys should do chicken soup, you know, and, and just seeing people get really excited about how to come up with ideas and how to manufacture creativity um, in a in a very kind of organized, informal way. Uh, you could just tell that people got excited about innovation and, and new products and and getting stuff out to the marketplace in a fresh and different way. And I know your book says unlock the secrets to innovation, growth and sustainability. but when you're in that creator mindset, you're unlocking more than that. You're unlocking feeling like a kid again. And I think you paint a picture in the book. It's, you know, we learn how to draw before we learn how to calculate or, or multiply or, you know, add and things like that. It's, it's going back to, you know, you're the creative part of your mind. So would you be able to illustrate, you're talking about excitement, the gears are turning. Would you be able to illustrate to our audience what it feels like to be in the creator mindset you know it, it's a wonderful and stress you know reduced sort of state right it's a state where everything is possible nothing is impossible and it is a natural human state our brain is divided into two hemispheres Yes, there's some crosstalk and that sort of thing. But largely, one side is in charge of analytics and one side is in charge of creativity. What ends up happening is when we are able to fuse our mind into one super unit, we get into the state. It's just kind of like, you know, people who exercise and are talking about being in the zone or people that do yoga or I don't know, you know, people who surf and they're, you know, six feet there's it's an overhead day out at blacks right and you're six feet in you're in the pocket you know and you're like wow it's that moment where everything happens and everything is just right mm -hmm. and those moments are obtainable they're in fact you need to get them in your business or in your job those those moments are totally doable at work but we don't do them. Why? Because we're not taught how to do them. We're taught just worry about the the numbers. Just how many units did we did we move? I did a uh, a workshop with an auto group, you know, and it was like literally all about how many units we're selling. I'm like, guys, what about the relationship? Do we have any relationships here? And and they're like, well, you know, the dealer over there and blah blah blah. Fourth generation people come in and buy a pickup truck because you know, um, they trust the brand. And I'm like, that's what we need to be talking more about. How does it feel to work there? What are you guys doing? What's happening in that business that enables that? To, and then people started getting excited, like, oh, cool. Yeah, 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 we could take that from them. We could do this here. Let's change this for our market, so on and so forth. You can literally tell people are, you know, in the zone and they're getting uh, excited. So 
yes, it can be obtained. It has to be obtained. You have to unite your brain to think as one super unit. You can't just rely on what they taught you in business school, which is the analytics only or the business plan gives a crap about your business plan. Like, you know, products or services are experienced in real life. They're not experienced on paper. They're not experienced in theory. You know, things go up and down based on emotion. And yet, you know, we don't want to talk about that kind of stuff. We want to talk about, you know, what we can seemingly control. But when we're able to think creatively, yes, it's a euphoric and natural state for us. And we've been beaten down and talked out of thinking in a natural state, which is where we operate the best. And so when we're able to unite both sides of the brain, um, yeah, there is no problem that is unsolvable. And, and that's a great answer. Nir, I feel like what impedes people from being more creative within the workplace is a sense of, of fear or lack of understanding, right? It's, it's You talk about the analytical in the book, and Nir, I know you mentioned you know, surfing, and I got a little story for you I, I experienced over, you know, over this holiday break. <laughs> went down the Rosary to Mexico, you know, 25 minutes away. And I was out by myself, should not have been out there. Some big waves. Eight, big day. Eight footers, big day. Should not have been out Ooh. there. Should not have been out there. And I had a gut feeling I got to go back inside. And I went back inside and a big eight footer came, crashed right on top of me, pulled me down, held me down. It was one of the scariest instances I've had oh, in my no. life. Did you go white in vision? Yeah. Come, yeah, it was really scary. And then came back up, got crashed again, back up. I mean, I was just got out like it, it was it was a surreal moment and it stuck with me. And now my visions of surfing these big, you know, waves, waves in Jaws or in Hawaii or, in, you know, Nazare in Portugal, that dream, that vision is now going down to, OK, maybe we should just, you know, hang low. I'm just going to go in the, the two, three footers now. It blocks my aspirations, my creativity, my happiness, my joy. So when things like that come in the way for people, what are some things that they can do to increase the creative mindset to think around something like that? Yeah, I mean, it's 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 a really good point, right? You shouldn't be out on a bigger day. You know, you got to work up to things in life, right? And, mm-hmm. and being out on a day that's too big, um, or bigger than what you're you're comfortable with um, is is not a creative idea, right? That's kind of no, dumb. No, you're just kind of asking for it, you know. Absolutely. Uh, especially because you know, on a day like that, for for those who don't surf, um, you know, generally you'll have a ten footer mixed in with those at some point, right? And you know, generally it's storm generated. It's not you know normal for Rosarito Beach to break at eight feet. And so, you know, something else is going on. Some other factors mm-hmm. is at play. So understanding that, yes, there is other factors at play and, and that you got to kind of ramp up the things um, is is creativity. Right. And so. But you bring up something else that's really interesting, and that's the fear part um, in you know, the, the self-doubt monster that we carry around with us is something that like literally crushes ideas, um, before they even get out of the, out of the box, right there, you know, we think to ourselves, Oh, you know, that's a stupid thought. Why would we ever do this? And why would we ever do that? But you, you have to take a leap of faith on some of these ideas so that they can get out into the world and become something significant. You know, the, the problem is, is when we, just think analytically, right? We don't 
we're not embracing the full potential of humanity. So somewhere out there right now is a scientist working, you know, up the road for me at SpaceX. And she's got like a crazy great idea, right? A big wing and it's going to pick up, you know, uh, some kind of ions and it's going to, you know, accelerate to just about the speed of light and it'll get it to Mars way faster. Um, Yet, sadly, she's not going to, she's not going to move with that idea forward because she's afraid of what people might think. She's afraid of her reputation. You know, she went to undergrad and graduate and PhD school. Now she's half a million dollars in debt, right? So most people would not take a leap of faith on an idea like that. They'd be like, oh, you know what? I'm just forget about it. You know, I'm just going to go to work and do, do my part and then kind of go home. But who loses? You and I lose. We lose. Our society loses when people don't take a leap of faith on a really, really great idea. Um, you know, and we need those people to do that. We could have easily have cured cancer by now, right? We could have easily have, you know, cleaned up air pollution. I, I've been to some some conferences where, you know, I've spoke and just walked around the convention area. There's technology today that is unbelievably good, right? And and it can really solve some amazing problems of humanity. Yet people aren't taking that leap of faith on those ideas because of self-doubt, because they worry about their reputation, because they worry, oh, what are people going to say? And, you know, all of this stuff, but they need to do it. We need to do it as a society, right? This isn't about putting yourself out. You know, you, you've just learned to swim and now you're in a, an Olympic sized pool trying to, you know, do laps. It's not about that. It's about, I am a scientist who works at SpaceX, right? And I have a great idea, but I'm going to hold it back because I'm worried. Those are the people that we need to get to. The you know the people listening right now who have a business, they're a, they have a dry cleaning, you know, uh, empire, right? Uh, all across the Southeast or whatnot. And, you know, they're like, I really want to change the model from a la carte, you know, $10 for pants and skirts and $12 for shirts. I want to change it to a lump sum, right? I'm just going to charge somebody a subscription base. They can come every day, 10 times a day if they want. They can come once a month. They pay it off. I get a credit card. I put it in. I auto bill it. That's what I want to do, right? Those are the types of creative ideas that we need. I have one of those dry cleaners here that, you know, we just drop stuff off. I'm sure I'm sure that they lose money on probably 20% of the customers, right? You know, the people are like, I'm going to go in every day and get my value. But for people like me, I don't, you know, once a month, maybe, but I like it because I just drop the stuff off. I know what I'm going to get charged for. And it's a great creative way to adjust the billing model. So we need to get a little bit more confident, a little bit, have a little bit more courage um, and, be able to understand that these are the types of ideas that we need right now. These are the types of creative leaps that we need to take. I love it. Now let's stick on this topic. Uh, the ego, right? I, I, I thought the ego was always this thing that was going to tear away relationships. It's kind of thing that's going to get in the way of you being the best leader for the team as a whole. But when I had that experience with the wave, and I'm sure it's the same thing with the dry cleaners or the same thing with the scientists, you know, $600,000 in debt, it does something to you. It impedes you. It blocks you. It makes the vision blurry. So when you have this chapter in your book about the ego and how it's, it's what makes your art unique, what makes the self-talk unique, it's, it's expressing that and pulling that out of your ego, what exactly do you mean by that? 
You know, the so I talk a lot in the book about how ego is something that can really destroy ideas, right? It can destroy creativity. Why it it tends to want to put predictions on things that are unpredictable. Hey, it was like this yesterday. It's going to be like this tomorrow. Listen, a lot of people lost a lot when COVID hit because they had literally built businesses that were based on, hey, what happened yesterday is going to happen tomorrow. Mm. And there are a lot of people who made an unbelievable amount of money since COVID hit because their businesses were always ingrained with creativity and that ability to constantly change and constantly adapt to whatever scenario was in front of them. And so for me, the ego is something that we all have and we have to understand that it's up to us to manage, you know, us and our ability to kind of look within ourselves and go, you know what, this decision is based on ego is, you know, is important and it's something that we have to do. But I will tell you something, when you think positively, it's almost like a direct anecdote for uh, like a anti-venom for ego. Because when you think positively, it's almost impossible to think positively and then have an egotistical thought at the same time. Because positivity, the, the nature of it, enabled you to see the world as it can be, not that it's as it is. And when you can see the world as it can be, not as it is, you don't go, oh, this is going to benefit me in some way and make me look famous or you know make my product sell 10 times better or whatever it is. You tend to do the right thing. You tend to do the better thing. And, and that's something that I think is important to look out for when we deal with ego. So is ego always a bad thing for artists? You know, if you think of the Steve Jobs of the world and what he was able to do, one person, uh, 7 billion people able to create the iPhone. Like how can people harness the ego with positivity to produce these products like that? Well, you know, realizing that the power of creativity that lies within each each and every one of us is super important. And the way that I practice creativity is not the same way you'll do it. Mm. And it's not the same way your listeners will do it. There's no two people on earth that will ever practice creativity the same way. And so that is your gift. When people tell you, you know, oh, you have a gift. You're really good at such and such. And you're like, yeah, yeah, I am pretty good at it. What they're really telling you is that is the innate DNA, the creative DNA that you have inside you waiting to get out and express that. And, you know, for Steve Jobs, it was the iPhone for, you know, any, you know, uh, Elon Musk, maybe Tesla, maybe it was PayPal. I don't know. Maybe it's, uh, you know, SpaceX and and so on and so forth. It, it really is the way that you solve problems being your unique signature on life and understanding what those things are and practicing them in your business to up what you're good at and lessen what you're bad at is critical. Nir, what about the subconscious? Like I know you said in the book, it's like, you know, you had us turn over a page, right? You had us flip over the page of, of the book so it looks different and you realize that's the creative part of your brain and this is the analytical part of your brain. So when I think of the subconscious, it's a similar concept, right? It's like your conscious is the tip of the iceberg. The subconscious, according to Freud, you know, is the below the water, right? It's this beast that we, uh, a lot of people have a hard time tapping into. 
what role does the subconscious play in creativity and how can you tap into that or do you, do you tap into that to unleash this you know creative uh, part of your life a huge role and that subconscious is literally creativity trying to get out mm-hmm. and what we do is we constantly turn the volume down on that part it's the part that's giving you an idea right it's like well you know i was in that meeting we should we really ought to try it in this way. We really ought to reach out to our competitors and see how they're doing it. We really ought to get a few of the leaders from competing businesses together to have a discussion. And it's probably a really, really damn good idea. But most of us just shut it down and throw it away. And so once we learn how to think a little bit more creatively, we're open to these ideas. We we don't have to wait for them to bubble up from our subconscious. We can use the trinity of creativity to manufacture them, right, whenever we want. But literally, your mind, your body is always trying to be in that Zen zone, right, trying to be in that in the zone, right? And so it's trying to give you ideas and trying to tell you, hey, you know, you should get out of the water right now because it's about to get big or telling you, you know, you should really phone call that one vendor, right. Who is great and always provides really good service and try to get, you know, some partnership going with them. That'll take it to the next level. It's all of these thoughts and ideas that you have uh, that I have that most people don't execute. They don't act on it. And so when you don't act on it, you get stale, you get uh, burnt out, you know, you get bored at work, you get, you're like, oh, my company sucks. You know, that company is doing it so much better than me. Those kinds of thoughts start to to bubble up when you're not listening to who you are as a, as a creative human being. Near any successful person has had to get past hardship. Uh, you know, Jobs really was able to unlock and unleashes creativity when he got fired originally or let go or left the company. It's still kind of for debate there. Um, you know, what personal challenges have you yourself ran into? What are some of the things that no one likes to talk about when they talk about success? Some things that, that you, that forced you to be creative in your life. How long do we have? All the time in the world. Well, there's, I, you know, back in 1991, I mean, you know, here's the thing, right? So, Something that I think we need to talk more about in business today is failure. Um, it, listen, you know, I, I, I published a book with McGraw-Hill called The Creator Mindset about how to become more creative. And, you know, I go to Barnes & Noble and I'm like, cool, I take a picture of my book because it's awesome, right? And then there's a bunch of books around my book that are literally like infuriating. And, you know, it is how to get rich quick in real estate by next Tuesday, make a million dollars today, um, how to get rich like my dad and how to, you know, and, and here I am grinding out a book that is step-by-step step, one foot in front of the other. You're not going to get rich quick reading my book. You're not, I, there is no recipe. And if you have, or your listeners or anybody can tell me how to get rich quick, bring it on. I'm in. Totally in. I'm totally in. Just send me an email. I'd love to follow your, you know, get rich quick trading, you know, um, commodities or whatever, whatever, you know, get rich quick recommendation you have. I'm totally in. I want to do it. But the the truth of the matter is that 
doesn't exist. And we in business need to start talking about failure more often because what we tend to present, listen, I, you know, run quarter billion dollar advertising agencies and, you know, now I have a, a small business. It's like, we don't talk about our failures. We're like, look, everything is great. Here I am. We don't talk about, you know, companies that went out of business, uh, employees that had to get fired that were doing an amazing job that we had to let go. We don't talk about, you know, failures. I, I've had significant failures over my career. One of them was, you know, I owned a production company in Hollywood and I put out a movie. It did really well. It sold to Universal. And, you know, back when I was doing that type of work and literally I sat on my butt and did nothing else. I thought, hey, the movie's out. I'm going to do great. And the staff was like, hey, we should do an auxiliary product. We should do cooking at home. We should do all of these different sort of shades of what that product or service uh, could have done. And I said, nah, it's fine. You know, I, I, I rested upon success. I got to a certain point and I kind of rested on it. And hmm. it, it was, it's a huge regret of mine because that could have done, a, that could have been a great business and it could have done, you know, incredibly well. Um, but nobody talks about stuff like that. We're always like, oh, I had a, you know, movie that sold and it did really well. I had a business that, you know, made this much profit and look at me, I'm, I'm an all knowing kind of person. But when we're able to think creatively, creativity depends on a certain amount of honesty, right? A certain amount of honesty to come out that makes creativity viable. And unless we're being honest with people and saying, yes, we've had failures, less, this is what I've learned from the failure. Yes, this is how I've moved forward. Unless we're having that dialogue and less of the get rich quick stuff and more of the, hey, it's a long road where you put one foot in front of the other, I think the better off we'll be. So Nir, what have you learned about what success is then and how would you define a successful life and career? You know, it, it's it's a tough question, right? Because it's it means something different to to everybody. But for me, I think that when you're marrying both sides of the mind into working as one super unit of creativity and analytics, I'm not proposing that anybody throw the analytics away. <laughs> the analytics are important, right? But they're nothing unless you combine them with creativity. For me, success is knowing that your business is in the zone, knowing that your product or service is being received by people in a good way and people are really enjoying uh, the experience. And I, I don't care what you do. It could be a business to business. It can be a manufacturing company. You know, it could be anything. As long as, you know, there's a good experience around the brand through the entire line from the employees that make that product or service all the way to the customer that consumes it, I think that is a successful uh, entity and, and something that's worth celebrating. You know, we interview a lot of what we call impact organizations, organizations intentionally trying to solve a social or environmental problem with a for-profit business model. And they all say, you know, our secret sauce is the values. It's what drives people to our company. Um, they're able to um, have this philosophical belief that they want to achieve the same thing that we do as well and retain our employees for much longer. But I think the one thing that isn't really talked about is those are creative companies. Those are some of the hardest companies to run because they're social enterprises. You've got to, one, make the world a better place, but two, also make money while doing it. That's very difficult to do. And I think the people that want to work for those organizations are equally as creative. Do you think that's 
a secret sauce to a lot of the new companies that are coming out of COVID and coming into this next uh, couple of years here with climate change and things like that? Yeah, listen, I think that, uh, listen, I'm a, I'm the biggest proponent and supporter of capitalism. There's been no system on earth that has lifted more people out of poverty and, you know, just created a better world than capitalism. Nothing. Is it the, is it the most perfect system on earth and all this stuff? No, but it is the best thing that we have. And embracing those principles and realizing that what you do touches so many people in so many ways is critically important. I feel that we have a lack of of global conceptual level understanding of how our product or service affects others. And I think that, you know, you can make a difference no matter what you do. If you were just to frame the problem and frame the issue in a way that allows people to reap the benefit of it. You know, uh, I did a nursing group and people were like, yeah, we're nurses, you know, and I was like, okay, what's your concept, your idea and your execution. And you know, we're, we're nurses. Like, like what, what do you mean? And so we started to dig in just like we did with the pizza pe- uh, people. And we started to learn that, you know, communication uh, and it was a particular group um, uh, communication was the most important thing because they acted as a conduit between different pieces of information, the lab result, the doctor, the, you know, intake paper, all of this thing. They were like the master communicator. Mm-hmm. And when you were able to empower somebody with the real reason they're doing what they're doing, uh, they started to get really excited, you know, like, hey, I'm. Yeah, I'm a nurse, but really what I do is I protect the patient journey, right? And I empower the patient to make their own choices and to, you know, to to be informed throughout their process. And that changed people's lives, right? And you could do that in any business that you do. It doesn't matter what you do, from hospitality to manufacturing, it doesn't really matter. And we as leaders have to do a better job in creating meaning, really deep meaning, so that people understand the altruistic value of their product or service. And when you're able to understand the altruistic value, I think people work harder, they work later hours, they work with more intensity, with more creativity, and uh, give of themselves a lot more. I think you're right on that point. You know, capitalism is amoral, and it's, it's neither good or bad, right? And so now you have this mindset shift of influencing more people to think creatively. What do you think comes out of that when a whole world is now shifting to creative? Like, what's the vision that you have for for a creative world? So what I see in my creator mindset utopia, right, is no problem of humanity being unsolvable. I see a cure to COVID, which, by the way, was a very creative thing. Very creative. What Moderna and Operation Warp Speed and Pfizer did, super cool, right? And and very incredibly helpful. But I see cancer being cured. I see you know, all the problems to humanity being solved by people who are willing to combine the analytic and the creative and take a risk, have the courage, have the empathy to go out there and to change the game. And that's what I see. I see a better world than what we have now. Listen, you know, one of my pet peeves is traffic, right? I'm from LA. I don't live in LA anymore, 
but I lived there 36 years and I sat for years in traffic, years of my life. I sat looking in front of somebody, you know, out my windshield, you know, to the car in front of me. So that being said, you know, I did some research and I found that there's amazing traffic solutions, right? There's synchronized lights. There's, um, you know, different ways to onboard somebody onto a, a highway and to offload them and, and all of these really great engineering analytical solutions. But nobody ever, ever had the creative capacity to say, you know what? We need to try that here. We need to do a demonstration there. We need to go out there and and really put this in the field. Yeah, some of that happened, but not nearly enough. So what I think is if we are and embrace creativity as a people, as a society, we will uplift the standard of living around the world far more dramatically than what we have done now. And the result is just a way better life. I, I mean, I'm being a little selfish, to be honest with you. I mean, I want better things, right? I want a better designed microphone and, you know, a better computer, you know, uh, experience on this chat thing and so on and so forth. And, and those types of things are entirely within the possibility of humanity, but they're, we're not going to get there unless we get creative. Hmm, I like that. You know, a lot of creative ideas uh, to, to solve traffic, but, you know, it takes a leader to kind of will it into existence. Near, let's bring this home. What is your definition of a real leader? Um, I think a real leader is somebody who can have a degree of empathy, a real big degree of empathy uh, with the market and their staff. Uh, even if you're a, a one person company, having empathy for the, the you know, person who ends up consuming the product or service is incredibly important. I feel that a real leader has humor there, we cannot understate the effectiveness of humor. Like, you know, and it doesn't have to be like, ha ha funny. But when we look at something with humor, we introduce a new way to look at it and a different way to look at it and a creative way to look at it. And we got to up the level of humor. Um, and then finally, somebody who has courage, who has the courage to take that creativity and combine it with the analytics. I think that is my definition of a real leader. I love it, Nir. It's been a pleasure speaking with you, my man. I hope your brother's doing well in the, the great city of Westland, Oregon. Shout out. Um, also, folks, pick up your copy of The Creator Mindset, 92 Tools to Unlock the Secrets to Innovation, Growth, and Sustainability. A great read so far, my friend. And it's a breeze. You're right. It is a breeze. You can read Good. this book within a couple of hours. There's no doubt about it. Um, for Nir Bashan, I'm Kevin Edwards asking you to go out there. Have empathy, humor encourage folks and always keep it real thanks Nick. and thank you good people for hanging on to this episode of the real leaders podcast with near bashan we hope you enjoyed it as much as we did and folks if you didn't know by now all of these episodes are streamed live on our crowdcast platform all you got to do if you want to RSVP and attend where you can ask guest questions, go online, folks, to realleaders.com slash podcast where you can RSVP for an upcoming event, whether it's with Melanie DeBacco, the CEO of Tarani, Seth Goldman, the former CEO of Honest Tea, Daniel Goldman, psychologist and author of Emotional Intelligence, Nick Bradley, the host of Scale Up Your Business podcast, Misha Brown the president of PCI Media Impact, or Simon Mainwaring, you can RSVP and join 
these interviews live. That's it for me. Thanks for being a real leader and stay tuned for the next episode.